Hey, everybody. Welcome to the More Than Words podcast. You have Liz. And Sarah. It's a little late, but that's okay. <laughs> Listen, right. I wasn't sure. Like, it's a lot of coffee. <laughs> it, it's a, there's a lot happening on this side, but I think it's every Friday. I think because we record our podcast and that's my last, like, major to-do Um Yep. Uh, for the week and I get excitable and you know my excitable goes to different levels um I also have Grogu with me today oh that's my coffee cup so cute so cute listen first and foremost it listen so if you all don't know Liz and I haven't been able to talk very much because I am on the road doing uh a program. So I am super excited. Uh, uh, that's great. How is it messing with my girl time? So I'm going to spend this auntie moment, if you don't mind, Liz, um, just catch you up, right? Like, I'm going to just have to catch you up. Like, do's and don'ts. No, no, how about this? Reminders for returning to the road. <laughs> that's all I want to use my auntie. I like that. I think we're going to name that. that reminders for returning to the road. All right, tell me about it. Okay, so let me just break it. Okay, so y'all, so listen, in a smaller town, like in a little rural uh, part of Washington State, um, so not too far from Seattle, but some things you just need to be reminded of, like, hey, so by the way, pack everything you think you would need for all the different climates that may happen in the area. Sounds very um, interesting and specific, but I definitely left my belt, right? So I was like, oh, I got everything. I got all the jackets, okay? I got all my snacks. Like I got all the, you know, the medicine, well, the, important the, person, stuff. the cuteness, the accessories. Okay, I got everything. Yeah, I got all the materials, you know what I mean? But one thing I left was a belt. So it's been a huge trek to be like, hey, y'all got belts here? Just going to different small shops. And they're like, no, we don't do that here. And I'm like, okay, so listen, why is a belt the hardest thing to find here? But have I found cool cuteness to give my friends and family? Absolutely, but a belt, no. So returning back to the basics, please make sure you have a checklist before you get on the road. Specifically, the smaller, the ruler it is, you need to be definitely more intact. Second of all, don't think that you're going to find your lip stain or lip gloss in any of the local stores, okay? Uh, my chapstick decided to have a journey on an airplane. Um, I'm not sure what that was about, but clearly jumped out of my pocket and laughed and was like, yeah, I'm good with this. I'm going to go roll with somebody else. And so anyway, trying to find those little <laughs> things that just like make you feel like I'm here, I'm present, I'm there. Uh, so that happened. And then lastly, it was like connectivity. So I was like, okay, look. I need to make, make sure your hotspot is hotspotting because you just don't know what part of the mountain range you're going to be on. And so you need to just make sure you come completely compared and contained to run everything that you need so that you can get the vibe. And don't forget your speaker because the music creates the vibe. And so I didn't forget that part. So I brought my speaker. Everybody I'm proud like, of you. Oh, nice I'm proud of you. But let me just say, get your checklist back. Like if you haven't done your travel checklist in a while, get it together. Make sure your bare necessities is there and your fun to have. But at the end of the day, I have definitely been shocked back into like traveling. Like, okay, let me let me get a wallet that's better to grab this ID out because people keep asking for for hotel rental cars, et cetera. Right. Like, I mean, little things. Anyway, but that's catching you up, Liz, because that's all the like 
like you get all these long texts, but in between it's just like, okay, so I've been walking around for like my lunch period, my lunch hour, you know what I mean? Looking for a belt. <laughs> That's Thanks a lot. TikTok for the cheat sheet, though. I, I was going to say, I'm like, did you go on TikTok? Because that would have that, that been my my next thing. It's like, did you go on TikTok? And, you know, now you have all new no. ideas for new things that you need so that for, you didn't know you needed. So you won't convert me to TikTok. So that's not going to happen even on this show. Because she tries to do it <laughs> privately. So this is I don't, I don't, though. yeah, I actually don't have, I have a TikTok account, but I am very private, private on there because. I just, I hustle. I don't post anything. I'm not going to do it. Don't force me. But do I follow for organizational tips? Yes, I do. Do I follow for quick tips on how to do my makeup bitch? Yes, I do. Do I do it for my dinners because I don't know what I'm cooking and I don't know how to just like create things like this? Yeah, I do. But I'm not going to go and post my dances. I'm not going to grace you all with that joy and wonderfulness of it. But um, I'm glad that you're out there traveling again, Shara, because, um, you know, I, I, I miss it, to be honest with you. And uh, I I have definitely FOMO because you all are sending me food pics and that makes me have FOMO. Not me. Not, no, don't say we because I won't be involved in that. You I took a picture. So I'm adding you pictures. into that. You send food. I did pictures. not share it. No, I took one coffee picture because somebody did amazing art on it, but I did not share it. Someone else shared on my behalf. Just FYI. Listen, I don't like food pictures. This is one of those. Once again, TikTok is not my spirit. I don't sign up for it. Um, however, I do ask for tips for those who do use it. Okay. Because they already on there. Why not? <laughs> then second of all, this food thing, I'm a hostage. Like this situation is above me. Like for real. They just keep sending these pics and I'll be like rejecting it and mean faces and like all types of emojis. That's like, no, stop. No. But they keep sending it. And I'm like, I was there when we ate it. Why do I need a picture? What? Okay. I want to capture the moment with the picture. But anyways, but so. You, but you can't well, taste the food. You can't taste the food. So. I can imagine what it tastes like. And I feel like I'm no, there with let's, you. Let's go to the guest. I can't with that. I just cannot with the imagination of the food. I cannot. <laughs> I can't. Not today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so is it, I guess my last question for you, Shara, on your traveling, is it what you expected? You know what? What it, it, it was, it was and it was not. Like, I think just, just, you know, being a black girl, you know, in the rural world, you have to be a little bit more vigilant and aware. Um, I will say I had to up my friendliness in a, the smaller town, the, up, the higher my friendliness goes. And I think that was I was prepared for. But I wasn't prepared, quite frankly, just to be, you know, in the space of how much time, you know, now that I work all like you have to really balance out where you're going to work and feel safe. Like those yeah. types of things I just, you know, hadn't thought about in a while. So I just those little adjustments like. Oh, what does a work environment plus safety looks like? And I've had to think about this because I've been virtually for a while. And then by the way, stylistically, I was like, okay, so I used to have my notes. Like, how am I gonna be cute with my notes? You know, like so I can hit the points I want to hit. You know what I mean? Like little stuff <laughs> like that. People don't care. If you don't facilitate, this is probably like so annoying to you. So I'm so sorry. But yes, I'm I know, but now you have to think about like, am I gonna print them? Am I gonna have them on my iPad? Am I gonna have them up there? Like, what am I gonna do? And you also wanna be environmentally friendly and not print them on like unrecycled paper or you know, whatever. Yeah it's so much i get it i mean i'm ready for it 
because of the FOMO, but I'm not ready for it, if that makes sense, because of all that that you just said. I don't want to yeah. be walking around the store. And, I mean, not that I've worn a belt for a long And that's another thing. I've not worn a belt. I was like, do we wear belts still? No, ma'am. Yes. Uh, no, jeggings is a thing, and I'm wearing them, and I don't care, okay? I have to wear Spanx yeah. for uh, when I, we do our events, and that's yeah. as far Thanks as I'm going to go. Mind. Okay. Liz, let's talk about your hoops. The hoops be asking for the belt though. Like you gotta put it around the I'm just gonna let you talk about it later. Like, like I'll show you like a diagram. Maybe that's what we use the pictures for. Helpful things like reference points. That's not about taste and sensory. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Cher. I'm so glad that you're safe. I'm glad that you're enjoying this journey. And I love that you always find the positive things in everything that you're doing it brings me joy and it brings me happiness that you know that you're enjoying yourself you're like I'm just living my best life and pe period right. <laughs> I'm already here I'm the plus one at me to the city council honey I'm here okay we did the city council right so we're gonna go ahead and get into our guest because we have an amazing episode today um and we have an amazing guest I'm so happy to introduce this person. So her name is Jessica Batnam. And before I tell you on what she does, I want to tell you how I met her and why I wanted her to be on our show. Okay, so I have been, let me take you back months ago. I had been fangirling. I don't know how we got connected. It was probably CDI. So she's a CDI alum. And we got connected that way on um, a LinkedIn. And I fangirled all her posts. I was like, yes, hit like, comment, da 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 da, da. next post. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like she knew what I needed in that very moment. <laughs> yes, I know. I know she didn't post things for me. I get it. But when I read them, I felt like it was for me. I felt like she was like, Liz, let me reach in there. And so I learned so much from her, her posts and I just absolutely loved them. So then fast forward to October when we did the CDI symposium, right? And we hadn't, I mean, I'd never met any of my CDI alums. Um, we did everything virtually. So all of my like CDI best friends, family, um, were virtual friends and family until at the to that point, right? And um, and I had met her during the event. I was like, oh, I love her. One, she's gorgeous. Two, her style is on point. Three, like she's incredibly just a, a, just a, a fountain of knowledge, and she's captivating. As soon as you meet her, you're just like, I just want to sit here and talk to you all day long, right? Then fast forward after the event, um, after we've been awake and my Spanx was too tight and I had to take them off and I had my, eye, my eyelashes also had fallen off at this point, uh, even though Chelsea tried uh, the beauty project, Chelsea tried sticking them back on, but you know, she didn't put them on to begin with. Okay. I put my own eyelashes on. She was trying to, you know, fix the situation, but they have fallen out. I mean, it was like floating on one side. Anyways, I had taken all that off and I was just me. I was just Liz. Um, and I had been sitting at dinner. I was waiting on Shara because she took forever because she was putting her next outfit outfit. Um, and I was sitting next to someone. and We were just chit chatting all dinner long. I was like, I love this person. Who are you? Then I found out it was Jessica. 
probably thought it was a little awkward but that's how we met that was our whole story of how we met and I knew she's such an impactful leader she's an amazing coach and then she started what we what we connected in is um she has a book out called design for identity I don't want to disclose anything about it until because that's going to be our topic for today but as you all know, Mama D is in the design industry, right? So she has her own shop and makes her own. Um, she has a workshop for draperies and all that stuff. So it's something very, it's something I grew up with that, I mean, I, I was literally growing up in her shop, sitting there as she created these beautiful pieces and seeing the design for identity piece from Jessica's point of view was so impactful and so incredible so I knew that I wanted to have her on the podcast. So I want to bring Jessica on. That was a long-winded hello. Gerald, <laughs> first of all, Jessica, that's the first time I heard that full story. And she gave me that little shady part talking about I was taking forever. It's fine. See what happened. See what happened when people give space. I gave space that day. Jessica, we so happy to have you. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad to be on today. And I I love you all's energy. Like I was sitting there off camera cracking up. And Liz, by the time we had that dinner, my specs were killing me too. Cause this getting the whole getting back out in the world thing. I was yes. like, I didn't have to do this at home. At home, I was in my leggings and my shirts and my earrings. <laughs> Nobody tells you. Nobody tells you about those spanks. Listen, that space is a talk. You'd be like, hey, so y'all, you're not, you're going to act up. Don't act up today. We come in, we got to be together, okay? Listen, Literally, Jessica, we got to be together. Jessica, listen, before we ever personally met, Liz has just been singing your praises, like, Anytime we've gotten in a conversation where your book, which I won't give any any additional details, but when your book has been relevant, like she, it just has opened her eyes. And it is, both of us have just been super curious. But when I say fangirl in life for real, I'm glad she didn't embarrass <laughs> us when y'all was in person because she was like, this, she like afforded me everything. I'm like, girl, okay, so let's just have a healthy boundary here. Okay. So, so Jessica, let's let me let's let the audience learn about you. So first and foremost, you now hear at the um, podcast, we always start off with like, what are your top three dimensions that you lead within the world, so people can know um, how you identify. Okay, so I will say it's always interesting being a, a DEI professional talking about identity. I share in a lot of groups. I am black first. I am a woman second, and. I would actually say probably my third identity that's most important to me is I'm a child of God. Mm. So that's that's me. <laughs> Listen, when, when you put that faith in there, you'd be like, and period. Okay. Let that's all you mean. That's okay. all you mean. <laughs> well, when you leave with those dimensions, Jessica, like what are some of those stereotypes that come up? Because I think, you know, once again, we ask this question, right? So because right mm -hmm. now people assumptions is popping up. So we got to just let them go through the journey of hearing what, how people experience them. Yes. And it's also interesting in the context of doing DEI work, I will say, first of all, that that has, has made me become a lot more aware of my identity and how I show up in the world and how I've even been programmed to think of myself and how people have been programmed to receive me 
and how I've been programmed to think people are receiving me. I know that's a lot to say, but it it's very interesting. Having to talk about it so much has really made it really top of mind for me. And I do sometimes wonder what people think when I, I step into a space. Um, when I first started doing DEI work and, and getting my things out online, you know, getting my, my blog posts up and, and things like that, um, I wondered, I was like, how are people going to, are they going to take this from a black woman? And in this, over the time that I've actually also been doing this work, I decided to go natural. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if having my hair like this is also going to impact how I'm perceived. Like all of these things um, go through my mind. And it, it actually was interesting too, in a conversation recently with other um, black female DEI practitioners, one of them asked me, do you think people listen to you more because you're light skin? Do you think mm -hmm. white people receive you better because you're light skin? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, there's a whole other thing. Thanks for throwing that, <laughs> that on the list. But I mean, these are just very real things. You think of how we show up and, um, you know, there's the awareness, but then also we can't let that kind of hold us back from being who we are. Ultimately, you know, I'm, a, I'm aware of those things. I, you know, am a very generally self-aware person, but it's still... I'm me and I'm just going to show up and be me. <laughs> Here, listen, that, just tell them, like, listen, I showed up and I brought all these things. So just enjoy them. That's what <laughs> I love it for you. And I listen here. And we know we ain't going to go down that road, but I'm just saying that's not really marriage. It's, it's about that appearance, but you know, that diversity will like, you know, people make a lot of judgments and label. And as soon as you walk in the door, cause they try to figure out, should I run or should I stay? Right. Like, so all of that shows up, but at the end of the day, I'm so glad that you first and foremost have been so confident one about all your, the things that you show up with specifically around faith. Like sometimes people will be like, well, people just need to know because how I act. I'll be like, no, I want to say it out loud. Like, look, yeah, this, absolutely. this is what we do. And also showing up in that way so other people feel the confidence to be like, this is me, all of this, right? Yeah. Um, colorism, just shout out to you for talking about colorism. Listen, Liz and I got that on the list to do, believe me. If anybody out there listening in, people have been running away from this conversation. We just found one person. <laughs> I mean, we... Yeah, we, we shower, shower yeah. people that had this conversation. But I will say, depending on what time you catch me in the year, some people had that same comment and some people don't. So I'll be like, okay, right. listen. Now I'm giving people the distraction with the ponytail. Like, look, we can't, if you're not ready to have this conversation for the world to hear, for us to really talk about it transparently, then we're not ready. But at the end of the day, um, I can't control this right here. So let's talk about how it shows up. But it's a deep conversation. I'm glad you brought it up because it does show up quite a bit. And whenever those vulnerable moments when y'all ready, we ready. Oh yeah. And and it's interesting. It's actually come up in the context of conversations I've had with um with people from the Philippines and from South Korea recently too. And it's I mean, it's so global. It's so global. But I know, like you said, that could be a whole other podcast. And <laughs> so, and you know, um <laughs> Jessica, I really want to acknowledge your bravery for for one, like showing up so publicly that way, because it when you were saying, oh, that's another component that I have to consider. That's another thing that I have to consider. I mean, that can be very taxing on a person. And we've heard that oftentimes, right, where, you know, the microaggressions that you face in public environments and workplaces, it can be so exhausting. And it's like you already have work. You already have a family or responsibilities or whatever you may have. And on top of that, you have all these ands on top of it. So for you to show up in this space and saying, hey, y'all, this is who I am and I'm brave and I'm here. And yes, you know, 
I'm aware that there's some things that some people might not be okay with, or I might need to consider, but I'm here. This is who I am and accept, accept me. Right. So I kudos to you for having so much bravery and, um, and showing up that way. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and thank you all. Look at the, the platform you're creating for even having these conversations. So back to you. It, <laughs> it, it gets scary. Trust me. There's some conversations, especially Cheryl. I'm like, oh my God, I have a fan underneath me because, you know, it can be a little scary. But so Jessica, we want to know why we're here for, I want to know more about your upcoming book design for identity first of all it's a beautiful book okay we will post it on our instagram it's an i love it i resonate so much with it i ordered my copy my mom has it and she you know she's like oh uh, i'm gonna read this one um but you know this book in your in your uh uh in your website about it it discusses the responsibility of designers to honor and incorporate diverse identities of historically excluded people in their work. Tell me a little bit more about the book and what makes this topic so important for you. Yeah, um, so it's it's really been interesting how many things kind of align for this for the book to happen. Um, so I've, I've been involved in the design industry, the, in, in interior design specifically for about 15 or so years at this point. Um, in addition to exploring, having exposure to other design disciplines like graphic design, product design through, through different means. Um, and it, what really struck a chord for me was, of course, in the summer of 2020, the design, design industry, design firms, just like basically every business, I felt like we're making all these statements. All of a sudden, they're having their social justice awakening. And there are all these proclamations being made we stand with you, we're against racial injustice, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it, it, as I think most people with lived experience, especially in America, were probably just like, so you're just seeing this, but okay, we're gonna run with it. Your, your eyes are open, let's see what you do with it. And looking, you know, we got what into 2021, and I'm looking around and I'm not seeing much that's different. And I had had a conversation with another design, a, a designer in a, a global firm, who told me that in her firm, now they have a whole page on the website about DEI. Um, the, you know, it's become the buzzword, but when it comes to day-to-day -day practice, the only thing that was different is that they were using images of more diverse people in their renderings. That's not impact. That's not changing things. That's not changing the day-to-day -day experience of the people in the organization or the customers and any of the outcomes. So um, there, like I said, it was a lot of things that kind of came into the the, uh, the formation of the book, but I had also participated in 2021 in a uh, diversity and design conference. And a professor talked about, in one of the sessions, a professor talked about a course she was teaching called Design Justice. And I was like, oh, hold on. I was like, are we talking about that? I was like, I, don't even, I haven't even heard those words together before. So I got in touch with her and I was just like, oh, there's some some good stuff here. And then I was like, why aren't we talking about it on a broad talking about it on a broader scale? So all the ideas came together and I was just like, we need to really start talking about one uh, for design students, also for practicing designers and for leaders of design firms. We need to really take a critical look at the design process and insert opportunities to start talking about the cultural identity of our customers. 
because th this to me was just like the next step. So a lot of DEI, number one, focuses a lot on internal operations within organizations. Of course, they love talking about recruiting, like this is going to fix it. You need to talk about retention, but that's a whole other thing, uh, caring for the people who are there. Um, but that was a lot of, a lot of the DEI conversation goes to that, not among practitioners, but I'm saying mostly among clients and what I'm, what I experienced. Um, and it, but it, not that that's insignificant, um, but it's just a piece of the puzzle, like talking about how we show up internally within organizations. I think that there, the, the next step is then to talk about how we apply these values in the work that we do as well. So not just saying, you know, having our statements saying, look, look, we have like three brown people in leadership roles, um, you know, on your leadership page, like, what are you really doing? Um, so I started thinking about the design discipline in general and the design practice. And I, like I said, I, I really wanted to uh, introduce a tool, some kind of mechanism that would force the conversation about identity in the process. And it's intentionally not, it's not the book, the subtitle for the book is how to design authentically for a diverse world. I don't want people to think that this is like recipes for like how to design for black people, how to design for gay people, how to design for people of certain religious background. That's not what this is about. It is about creating the conversation with customers to say, what about your identity would you like to see celebrated in this space, this product, this piece of, piece of clothing that we're designing for you? opening that dialogue with customers and continuing the dialogue throughout the process to make sure that your designer's interpretation of <laughs> what they said actually does resonate with them and it is something that is that honors them as opposed to your interpretation of it. Um, and then also in parallel with that, having the conversation with your colleagues, having the, co the conversation among design teams to say, are we, you know, are we getting this right? Do we have the right people in the conversation? Are we picking up on the same things? Are there other resources that we need to uh, consult to make sure that we're doing this in a way that honors the people that we're working with? Introducing points where we're saying, okay, we think we got it, but we wanna make sure with you. <laughs> um, and just being intentional so that this becomes a normal part of the conversation. And it's, it's not how we're taught to design as students. That's why, like I said, design students and design educators are a big audience for this book. And it's not standard practice in design. And once, and I will say, I can't say that this isn't be happening in pockets. I don't know all of what's happening across the entire design industry. But even in saying that, if that is happening some places, we need to amplify it. There needs to be a, a bigger dialogue about how to do this, what's working, what's not, what should we try? How can we collectively as a profession, as an industry, as disciplines, make this a like cement this into how we do what we do i love this i mean it is such a huge undertaking and having the experience of seeing my mom deal with multiple designers because she was the shop and they brought their designs in there and i'm trying to think right now like that's gonna be hard but <laughs> it's not impossible and i love you know you're in order to change systems you need a system to change a system and i think starting off with 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 this and using a coach approach for it uh, for design is so powerful and, and impactful. I mean, I love this. Love this conversation. Yeah, I think also just for the most of the listeners who signed up, it was like, oh, I'm thinking about like 
a physical space of change, like the actual environment, because that's how we're taught, right? We're like, yeah. what's the environment? Like what we need to be creative. But I, like to this point, the conversation to create the actual outcome or whatever the physical pieces or the the feel and all of that, we don't spend a lot of time on what that looks like because, you know, to be honest, we've had clients who've been in like different spaces of design, even print or advertisement or furniture, or, you know, like just big manufacturing companies or like firms. And ideally what has happened is, you know, when we come in that space, we're like, well, why are we the only ones here that's of diverse identities? It's like, are they, I mean, how low do you go? Like how low do you go until you find somebody who's going to be like, so listen, that modern, that, 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 that idea that you have really won't fill the gap in the community you're trying to put that product in. Like, seriously, like, you know, like, <laughs> and it's my hope, honestly, well, one of the things that, that one of the questions that I repeatedly have asked myself in design spaces, even from the classroom on was, if designers design for everybody, how can there be so little diversity in the profession? Because I was looking around like, I, as a black woman, who in here is designing for me and on what basis? Right. So right. That, this also goes to the whole point of why diversity is important in, in the design industry, Every which space. honestly I think is at this point about across disciplines, like 10% global majority. <laughs> Right. It does but, not equate to the reality, mirror the reality of the makeup of the world. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the fact that we still have to call this out, it's like, okay, y'all been doing this for a long time. We back here, get those um, textbooks and that curriculum updated, because guess what? You're teaching people to be a part of the system versus bringing what's happening in the world to more of a co-creation in the conversation of what versus what what's existing but I guess you know to your point you started talking about a little bit about the outcomes you wanted for the book what was you know just what were they like what were like when you wrote this book you was like this is what I want this this to serve yeah and and what well one of the things was I want this to become a required text for all design programs across disciplines period just because like I said this is not an intentional part of any discussion any design program uh, well, not any, I'm saying it, it, it needs to become a standard part of the, of the design education process. So that is one goal. Um, and another, well, even in the context of schools and student and this, the, the experience of design students, I want them to get comfortable having the conversation. I want them to expect that this is part of the conversation I will have once I get out in the world with my customers. I want them to be the ones who demand it when they go into firms. I'm having interviews with, with more junior people now who are asking the question, what are you doing about DEI at this, in this organization? And in a lot of instances, I bet a whole lot of places, they don't have many good answers. They don't have solid answers. And then, you know, moving on to design firms, this could be an answer to that question. If they, they say we have adopted these principles, these practices, or even if they say we're in the process of it, that's still a lot more than what we're seeing right now. And in the design industry, I also, I want this to be a standard part of the conversation. This should be a standard part of the design process. Just like we made space for sustainability, just like we, we made space for ADA, all rele very relevant things. We need to make space for the broader conversation about identity. And also, and, and the importance of it isn't just about the service we're providing to people, because as, as designers, we provide a service that to me, that is our, our main role. 
this is also about making that space and saying we value the lived experience. We value those perspectives because we need them. <laughs> we can't manufacture them. We can't make them up. We need them from those people so we can relate to the people that we're designing for. And from a business standpoint, to not do that is leaving on leaving money on the table. Right. So I think for those who know, this is not there. So I'm not, a, it's, this this conversation is a little reach for me because I'm not, it, first of all, I can't hang curtains. I know that's <laughs> irrelevant, but that's, I just got to put the context out there. Like this how deep, you know, that gap is for my understanding. But for those individuals who are like, well, this should, you know, obviously be something that could be easily put into curriculum. I would want to just say, if you're in that space of academia, this is first and foremost, this is your challenge to go ahead and get, make sure that this conversation is happening wherever your um, university is. And then for those of you like, oh, this should be easy. Listen, there is nothing easy when you talk about identity, diversity, equity, inclusion, look what's going on in all the other states where there is literally like a fight for who gets to control how we educate our, our students and how we educate at, you know, pri I mean, public university. So this is not an easy conversation, but this is the opportunity that we have to say, look, if you want to influence how, first and foremost, I'm sure this is a tractable conversation for people who have a diverse um, experience too, who want to be like, hey, I didn't think about this as an opportunity for my career and for my workforce, but now I'm interested. That's one attraction. But the second part is think about how many people have been in this work for so long and now they're trying to identify like what's the future, what's the new customers, what are the spaces that I can now get in that was untapped to me because this is really co-creating the future of what design can look like. So I'm super excited. Everybody here to charge. Here to charge. <laughs> well, and, and I think I think it's so, this is why this year, Shara, we talked about DEI in places that most people wouldn't have thought that it should be in. In reality, it should be everywhere. Everyone she needs to be about it. Everyone needs to have the awareness of it. It's not exclusive to anybody, right? It, it needs to be everywhere. And I, I often think back about in this conversation that we're having is, I'm curious to hear from my mom coming as an immigrant from Mexico, being the one creating these designs that more than likely weren't, you know, I mean, obviously they're not for her, but she's the one creating them. And as an artist, it, because it is, it is her, our artistic creativity that she's putting her energy into these designs. I, I always, I wonder like how she thought about that in, in, in situations where it may not have been in line with her own value system or her own background, you know, and, and obviously for her, she didn't have the choice, right? She's like, I need money. I got to put food on the table. I'm going to do what I got to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And design in any way. So I, I think it's important. Yes, it is a hard conversation, but this is a perfect example of why it needs to be everywhere because you know, inclusion is action. It's in everything that we do and it needs to be brought to light in these in these kind of spaces. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about, I know you talked about your outcome only because I just, I just always love to ask these on authors. I want to know about your experience and journey when, as you were creating this book, like what did you learn A, about yourself and then B, about the actual design process? Very good question. So it, it was definitely a process. I will say that um, 
I had not envisioned myself writing this book until probably three months before I actually started it. And um, there were just a lot of things that, that were happening. And when, but when I did decide to write it, I was just like, I'm going to do it. I, it, and it was interesting because a friend connected me with a book coach who I, I didn't even know book coaching was a thing. I'm so glad I met her. <laughs> um, but she kept me accountable during, during the whole process. And when we first started, she was like, I do six month contracts. Sometimes authors will finish in the six months. Sometimes they need to extend. I was like, uh, with my financial situation, we're going to finish this in six months. So I made that decision. This is what's happening. Um, but I, I did learn a lot about myself in the process. One, I had, I think I hadn't given enough credit to flexing that writing muscle by doing my blog. Um, I had started that in the summer of 2020. So I had gotten in that practice of communicating and I, I like to communicate concisely because I know people don't have huge attention spans, number one. Number two, I don't like writing for very, very long periods of time or writing lengthy things. Um, and I also knew in writing this book, I was writing it for designers and designers are more visual than like, you know, I'm gonna sit down and read the, some 300 page book. Um, and I also appreciate that myself as a designer. So I just, I learned a lot about the the value that past a lot of past experiences brought to that moment and how the things that you've done that you never thought you'd use again or were not valuable skills or like, oh, I have this job, I, I'll just do this for now, but I don't really see it doing anything. Everything I've done <laughs> in my entire career came out somehow in either the creation or the content of that book. Um, and I will also say that I learned a lot about my faith my faith grew and, de and developed in the process of writing it because ultimately I feel like this book is basically a message that it was sent through me to get out into the world. It's not Jessica's thoughts. It's not all purely Jessica. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this genius. I really think this was a message that I was intended to deliver. Um, and that alone gave me a lot more confidence to do it. I know a lot of authors may, I know some people who have had a finished book on their, like a finished manuscript <laughs> on their shelves for years because they're just, they're scared about getting it out there, um, which I completely, completely get. But I think, like I, I think it was my faith that made me feel like, feel confident in saying this just needs to go. Like this is, this is intended to be in the world. It's intended to be in the world now and just go for it. And I will say, I learned a lot about the <laughs> the whole process um, as I was doing this, including the publishing process, but that could also be a whole other episode. Um, but it was all, it was all worth it. So in other words, a Jessica Batnam Publishing Company is coming next. Okay, you heard it first on more than words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I will put something out on the universe actually, since you brought up a publishing company because Questlove just launched his own uh, publishing company that like this week. Um, and I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe second book. I don't we know. Don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We are Philly. Philly. So I don't know. Put it out there in the universe. At Quest Love, honey. At Quest Love. That's okay. right. At Quest Love and we launch you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really love that because um, I, I coach a lot of people who are transitioning in careers and um they always say, I always hear this so many times. It's like, well, how am I qualified to do this? Or what qualifications do I have if I'm 
changing, um, shifting careers or changing from two different disciplines. Um, I love that you do the DEI work and I love that you do design and you found a way to mold them together, right? You didn't forget about all those tools of all that experience. And um, and, and people often say like, oh, well, I did that way back when, um, you know, and it, and I did it for a company or XYZ or whatever it may have been. And the thought process is what I find is a lot of people say those skill sets and experiences stay with that company as if they're the owners of it. No, ma'am, you are the owner of that tool and experience and your skill set. You own it. You take it with you wherever you go. And it's something that is 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 just another little tool set on your little belt here that you have, you know, and it's a key belt. Right, Cher? Like a little too <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Listen, give me that bell right now. Give me that bell right now. But I will say, yes, you're absolutely right, Liz. Like, seriously, most times it's just that validation and support that you can do it, right? Like, just, I mean, I think we take for granted sometimes, like, that disconnect from when you were a child and there's a lot of support. And and, and that, that's not everyone's experience. But, but ideally, there's a clear path that you have to follow to achieve like a high school diploma or, you know, to go across, like to get a certification or something, whatever the thing you sign up to is very clear. There's a system that supports it. But once you become an adult, right? And your dreams are beyond all those spaces that's been like systematically supported. It is really one of those mindset shifts about how do I create the purpose, right? Or where do I grab from to get that purpose, whether it's faith or a mindset or, you know, you, so like someone was talking to me about tribe, right? Like, like, what's your tribe? Your tribe that's supporting you and bringing new things out of you, right? And so those are some of the things that I think we just often just don't take enough time to acknowledge the need and the relevance of that. As you get to a space where you're like, okay, no one's holding me accountable. I mean, like, <laughs> there's nobody like, okay, so in four years, we're going to be checking on you. Where you at? Where you at? We have to, and we have to value our own experience. Even if somebody has an idea for a book and that's our, there's already something out there about it, it could be a, ten thousands of you know books out there already about. No one's going to tell your story. No one's going to explain those things through your lens. No one else has walked in your shoes. So your perspective is valuable. And honestly, the like, it, and your perspective could be the one that could change somebody else's life. That you just, you never know how all of this is going to work. And it, it, I will say, God God has put me on the path he's put me on. If you look at my resume, you'd probably be like, that's interesting. Um, and But the thing is, like I said, it's all come together. I take, you know, you talk about transferable skills. I am a like the most transferable skill uh, like the biggest ambassador for it you will ever hear. I will talk about what I've done in my sorority at work. I will talk about what I did in volunteering with a board when I'm talking about another group that I want to be involved with because it's all valuable experience. It's all made me me. If you see value in me, then you have then recognize that it's all from everything that has I've I've experienced professionally and personally. And this is me. And I, I don't need you to validate that because I know there's value in my perspective. So I think that's what we need to just kind of keep in mind. Because I know I you hear imposter syndrome all the time. And I know, and I sat there sometimes like, maybe there's a reason there isn't another book like this. <laughs> because maybe there's not the interest or maybe some other people pursued it and it is their manuscript sitting on their shelf. But I was like, but no, this is my thing to do. So regardless, it can flop. It could be big. I don't know. I did it. 
And I would hate to sit there and look at something and say, that was a great idea. I wish I had done it. I wish I had done it. I wish I had done it. At least I can say I tried and I, and I gave this more than I ever thought it would have taken out of me. And I'm just glad that I did, that I did it. Oh, Jessica. First of all, I keep forgetting that I'm a host of the More Than Words podcast <laughs> and that I'm another auntie. I feel like I'm just a guest. I, I'm, a, I'm a listener. I'm the audience here. <laughs> I'm just getting... I'm getting so much like, thank you, Jessica, for sharing that story and, and your process and everything like that. Seriously, that, and I think this is why you and I connected on such a deeper level. We had um, Sada from CDI on our prior episode. And um, it is so true, uh, Shara, to your point on like finding your tribe, on finding your community, finding people that are like you but are also different than you and that push you to be better you know if if your community of people are not inspiring you to be better to saying you don't have to be this one little box that someone's put you in right you can be all these skills that you have brought in and if you can carry behaviors from childhood that may or may not serve you as an adult, why can't you carry the good things with you, those skills, those experiences, those tools? And why can't I do it all? Why can't I be a designer, an accountant, an entrepreneur, a, a leader, a coach, a DEI? I can do it all. Be, that tells you I am not afraid of anything. Exactly. And I love you talking about like your younger self, because a, a colleague of mine, we we joke about this a lot. She was like, I, I would have loved to have met little Jessica. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, she's still in there. She is still in there. It's, the world tries to, to, to take it away and like to make you forget the boldness that you had, the confidence that the, just the joy that you had when you were little before everything started trying to tear you down. <laughs> but little Jessica, little Jessica's happy. Little Jessica wrote that book. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We'll, first, we'll have a whole we'll other first, conversation about that one. But yeah, go ahead, Sharon. We, we need that. First of all, let me just say, let's acknowledge those inner child love. It's not just terminology. It's a real fun person <laughs> who got some courageousness yeah. in there that's gonna speak your spirit. But I'm curious. Okay, so I know. Okay, remember I told you I can't hang no curtains, but I have been a part of organizations who have built buildings. Right? There's been this huge shift. Right. To like let's build a workplace that makes everybody want their house like you know like okay mid, mid but at the end of the day i guess you know there's people listening out there they're they making these huge investments they want the people to come and have this sense of community a couple of times a week hint, hint, for those of you thinking about it okay and then what would be like some of the key things or key conversations you think they should be having or considering or implementing that if they wanted to read more about it in your book that this would be the way in which they could know for sure that this is something that they should shoot you that's a great question. It's come up in a lot of the different workplace kind of spaces I'm into. One thing I would say that's a consistent theme in the book is talk to your staff. Talk to your workforce and find, ask them literally, <laughs> what would make you want to be here? <laughs> now that we've been able to have the flexibility of being at home, if people have religious practices that they have to you know, engage in during the day, they can do it without thought. If they have different dietary requirements, they can store their food however they do. Um, if they have, you know, different abilities and they have different ways of doing things that they've worked out at home, 
talk to them about how they you can replicate that in the office. We've become that's been one of the things about being home, like being home, I think made us probably appreciate how much we can be ourselves at home. <laughs> so there should be an intentional conversation about, well, what would make this space someplace you would want to be in? And it's it and it it goes beyond just literally like things to practically do your work. It go, gets into um, things like imagery. If I walk into my space and there's all kinds of people who look nothing like me up on the walls or in this picture or wherever, there are quotes by people that have nothing to do, like I have no similar background to, those are also not welcoming signals to me. Those are things that could be shifted. Um, the, the whole, and, and looking at things like um, mother's rooms, it, it, I talk a lot about um, specialized kind of spaces in interior design in this, the, the context of this conversation. And people have told me, yeah, there's a mother's room in my building, but it doesn't have a sink. Who was involved in the design of that space? Or there's a, there's like a prayer room slash um, something else. It can't be slash. If you're really trying to like create a specialized space for that, make it the specialized space so that when people come in there, they know what they're there for. Their space, if they have it like a prayer mat, there's a, a space to store that. It's if they need quiet, it is intentionally like soundproofed. You know what I mean? Like they, make the spaces really the spaces and don't just take an old closet, put a new sign on the door and act like you've done something for people. Talk to your workforce. Ask them what's going to make them make you really want to be here. It's it, and it, that's like the simplest thing. I talk to leaders all the time, and they always want to talk about well, what are other people doing? Let's benchmark. What's this? You know, what's our competitor? Do? You shouldn't care. You have your people. You uh -huh. have you are responsible for the care of your people. Talk to them. Yes. And the thing is, why this book even needed to be a thing? Why I li I literally have discussion questions in the book is because people are afraid to have the conversation. Now, if I give you, mm -hmm. literally, I give you the questions and now getting to the answers or even sometimes saying the questions out loud, not always gonna be easy. Like, just like you said, Sharon, like none of this is necessarily gonna be, be comfortable, but you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And the, the, the opportunities outweigh, to me, the risks of us continuing to not do anything. <laughs> Yeah, you can't, well, you, the world is changing and, you know, yeah. you have to decide what your own impact that you want to have. Your We always talk about legacy on our podcast and it's like, oh. you really need to think about your legacy and the impact that you want to have as a leader, um, as someone who runs an organization, because the world is shifting and you're either going to get on board or you're not. We're on the same page because that is literally one of the coaching questions because the book also folds in coaching questions. What as a designer, what do you want your legacy to be? As yeah. a design leader, a design firm leader, what do you want your organization's legacy to be? And there really needs to be some deliberate thought given to that because it can, can be different. It could be different than what we see around us today. And P.S. Let's call to the carpet like the building contract companies, like the the construction companies, and the inspectors. Like, why is not on your list? Like, you know, because I'll tell you right now. If somebody listens and they're like, oh, we listened to the building contractor and this is what they said. No, they have a checklist. And when did the last time they revised that list to make a decision about this? Yes, you may uh, do all your OSHA standards, all your safety standards. But at the end of the day, when someone's telling you there needs to be a sink in this mother's room 
Well, that's not necessarily something somebody checking off a list. That's something about the experience you want to create. So yes. And P.S. I just wild out because I'm passionate about this. Up your number of mothers parking spaces. Y'all already know. I get it. Y'all got the EV parking spaces. Great. Get your get your credits. Great. But let me just say, up your number because we here and it's a lot of us. And yes, if you want us to be there and we want us to go through all the many experiences that's not just motherhood the at the fullness, but it could be those journey to motherhood or those journeys after motherhood. P.S. Include a menopause. Like them spaces are necessary. So stop trying to act like they don't belong there. Okay, let's just let's stop. Period. Period. And if there's anybody out there that can have and wants yeah. to have a menopause okay, conversation, you have to know that because you know I <laughs> no, no, this, I get it. Okay. Yeah, no, like please, please reach out to us because we want to have that conversation. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Well, Jessica, you know, usually we finish our episode with a moment of reflection, and so um, I think for me, what I've learned today is. I've learned so much. Like I said, I, for a minute there, I forgot I was hosting it and I ended up becoming a guest, <laughs> not a guest, a, an audience member. Um, I've learned so much about this and and it kind of reaffirmed my whole thought about <clears throat> that DEI, inclusion, people work, it's, it's everywhere and it's everywhere that there is people. And so we also need to think about what is that legacy that we want to leave in, in our spaces, you know, how, 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 what do we want our next generation to, to focus on and to deal with and, and, and et cetera. So I just want to thank you for coming on our show and, and gracing us with your story and, and honoring us with, with everything that you, you bring to the table. So Shara, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I'm like, first and foremost, grab the book, right? And use the title as your question. Like, listen, are you designing for identity? And if you don't know where to start, start with this book, start with um, Jessica's Instagram and get some help. And if you are not in a space where that is where you have your power, then get it to the person who has the power, control and influence to do it. And quite frankly, like we have to start thinking about and holding other people, holding everyone accountable for being inclusive for the spaces that they're creating. Otherwise, then we're just doing, we're supporting the system. So let's do our part to this rubbed and inform and encourage people to be more inclusive if you really want to have a space that everyone feels a sense of belonging and connections to if you want to use it that way and if not just enjoy a good virtual conversation period like hello that's what we here for then okay jessica any closer remarks from you before we wrap up this is just amazing and ditto to everything you all are both saying. I was just sitting there like, yes, yes, yes. Um, no, I thank you all for your support and for getting this message out there. And, I, you know, that's these conversations do my heart good because I think all of us in DEI need need this from each other <laughs> to keep each other going, too. So I will I will end it with that and just thank you all for for what you're doing. Too. Uh, thank you, Jessica. Well, we will be posting this soon on Instagram, on YouTube, on all major podcast platforms. Go buy Jessica's book, okay? Bring generational wealth to Jessica and her family. Thank you very much. Um, and um, we'll also post um, Jessica's website um, in our bio as well, so you can get in contact with Jessica if you want you know, speaking engagements or whatever it may be. Um, so she can talk about her book. So, all right, y'all. Oh, and visit us at morethanwordspodcast.com. See y'all later. Hey.